Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Up until 6.40 today, and then Red Sox baseball, Sox and Twins, Game 3 of the three-game set. Sox looking to salvage Game 3, something we've said far too often this year. Joining us now is our Red Sox insider over at Ness and Tom Karen TC, how are you? Doing well, Brady. How you doing? Excellent. Appreciate you being with us as always. You know, right before the show today, I read a very interesting story from Chris Cotillo of Mass Live about Jaron Duran. And Duran sent down recently to AAA, really opened up about his struggles, both physically and mentally. I thought it was pretty interesting. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included to some degree, have been eager to run Duran out of town. But it was an eye-opening look, again, at what people go through and what young players go through. And I appreciate it is his candidness on the whole thing. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's important to, uh, to, to keep that stuff in mind. We were talking about it on the show last night with a guy like Cutter Crawford, you know, some of these young pitchers didn't pitch at all in 2020. There were no minor league games, right? So you're talking about a, uh, a new generation of player and pitcher that that's kept making up for lost time that has lost development time. Uh, and if you're in Boston, you know, you're not getting the chance that you might have in Kansas City or in Pittsburgh where you get thrown into a team that's going to lose 100 games regularly and, and you get to develop. You're expected to perform. And and Jaron Duran, because of the injury to Kike Hernandez, was thrown into an everyday center field position. There's still an infielder trying to learn the outfield. You know, Mookie Betts did it uh, flawlessly. Nobody else is Mookie Betts. We know that. Uh, so I agree. I thought it was interesting to read – the mental part of uh, what he was battling. Now that said, you know, when he talks to the media, he doesn't help himself a whole lot. Yeah. Sometimes you think of that ESPN interview when he, when he drops a don't come cheer for us when we start playing well, that's not what you need to be saying uh, when you're having a tough season, just uh, stay humble. Like he was in this piece uh, and, and talk, you know, be transparent with what you're going through. And I'm glad he finally did that today. Speaking of transparent, I was talking about this with uh, with Buster Olney the other day. Do you feel that organizations can or should be more transparent in their plans? And I, they don't have to give the give the whole farm away. But if High and Bloom had come out or ownership had come out a couple of years ago and said, "Look, we want to be competitive at the big league level, but we also don't we also want to build the foundation of this thing." And, you know, it might take us a little bit to be big spenders, but we are going to get there. If they had done that, if they had laid out that plan, would that have been good or would, would we have been killing them anyways? We'd have been killing them earlier, I think. That's the way it goes in Boston, right? Uh, there was it Ben Charrington who talked about the bridge year and, and then, you know, the Dan Shaughnessy <clears throat> led pitchfork brigade with torches storming the castle yeah. Uh, where bridge year became the rallying cry for an organization that didn't care. I think some other organizations, especially in baseball, can be more transparent. The Red Sox have the resources and and charge the the prices that fans rightfully have a, have a, have a right to expect them to be in contention every year. Now we know that's impossible, but nobody here paying paying 75 bucks to park their car and who knows what for tickets and hot dogs and, and a beer. Uh, and nobody wants to hear that you're investing that money to see a game for a team that is two years away from being competitive. So I, I don't know that you can do it here. I think realistically, it's very hard to do it in Boston. 
Tom Karen, Sox Insider, and Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show ahead of Game 3 against the Minnesota Twins. Here our coverage begins at 6.40. You know, it was interesting. I was listening to the radio pregame show yesterday, and Will Fleming and Rob uh, and uh, Mutt were talking about kind of the idea of team leadership. And we've seen a number of mental mistakes here in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, a couple again on uh, on Monday night, you know, Devers figure, uh, forgetting how many outs there are, Verdugo's base running, blunder, et cetera. And Will Fleming made the point that there's nobody in this locker room or this clubhouse that will kind of stand up and hold people accountable. And the question for me is, is that just because this team has great leaders that aren't vocal leaders in the way Pedroia was? Or is that a sign that the team and the veterans are checked out and it's no longer worth it? No, I, well, I think it's a couple of things. And and we talked about it on the show, too, last night. Maybe turn off the radio once in a while and watch that. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple interesting points. Tim Wakefield's had a really good point that he's talked about from time to time, that he thinks that the economics of the game have have basically forced out the middle class uh, of, of the player in the clubhouse. And by that, he means, you know, you've got your high, high, high price players and your rookies. Uh, and he said, even back, you know, 20 years ago when, when he was coming along, uh, the, the highest priced players are generally not leaders. They are great players. They do their thing. You hope maybe there's some leadership, but you know, I mean, David Ortiz was, was a leader at the end. Right. I don't want to say he he was I'm not saying negative. I'm not saying he was a clubhouse problem, but he wasn't really a leader in you know three or four or five. He was a leader at the plate. He was their you know best clutch hitter. But when he was, you know, in 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 the middle of his career, sort of making himself the player he became, right? Creating his Hall of Fame legacy, he wasn't a guy who was gonna be talking to guys in the clubhouse and telling them this, that, that, right? It was the Trot Nixons, it was the Johnny Damons, it was the guys who you know, they're making plenty of money, but they weren't the elite top 20 salary guys, okay? So that's a long answer to sort of say, where are those guys now, right? Who have been those best sort of clubhouse leaders in the last 10 years? The Johnny Gomeses, the Mitch Morelands, the, the you know, Brock Holt was one of those guys, okay? You're seeing fewer and fewer of that class of player in a clubhouse. Uh, you've got the, you know, and, and listen, Xander Bogarts is a quiet guy. So that's, you know, he's the leader of this team, but he leads by example. He leads by showing you the right way to go about your business. But I don't think Xander Bogarts is a guy who's going to pull <clears throat> Alex Verdugo aside and, and say, dude, you got to, how'd you drop that ball last night? You know, like, and that was a brutal error that led to the grand slam last night in the fifth inning. Yeah. Um, how do you not tag up? I'm not sure that, you know, when Jaron Duran led that inside the park grand slam fall in behind him on that Friday night in July. Uh, if you remember, Alex Cora said, well, that's best discussed by the players. And then the media went to him and he said, yeah, no, I haven't talked to anybody. Nobody came and talked to me. So mm. Kike Hernandez is a little bit of that guy, but he was injured at that time and has missed a lot of that time. So I just don't know that you have that guy. Kyle Schwarber was that guy last year. Hunter Renfro was that guy last year. I think when you sift through the mistakes that were made this year, and, and you can go through the pros and cons of what Hyam Bloom has done over three years, but I think losing those guys as clubhouse presence, as, as you know, Schwarber, we know what he's doing offensively, but they really lack his presence. If you remember last year, he came here, instantly became a leader. I think yeah. the hope was Eric Hosmer would be a little bit of that, and I think he is that, but he's injured. 
right? So so now his voice is not, you know, he, this should be at a point now, he's been here a few weeks, been here a month. His voice should be growing in that clubhouse, but the injury took that aside. Tommy Pham's got a little bit of grit, a little bit of fire, but again, new guys, it takes a little while for those guys. So that's a long answer to your question, but I, I think this group doesn't have that, and it's not vocal leadership, but it's just the guy who calls everybody together Monday night after that ugly loss and says, hey, guys, we got to get our heads out of our you-know-what, and, and we got to sharpen up and focus, and let's go. And, and you know, it's not discipline. It's not yelling. It's just we, we're not going to put up with this as, as teammates. We got to get going. They don't, I don't think they have that guy right now. As we all kind of turn the page mentally to next year, the Aaron Judge discourse is going to continue to get louder and louder, and it's going to fuel our offseason talk for a while. The Red Sox need a lot. We know that, and we know they're going to have money to play with, and they're going to have to use it. Are you more inclined to try to make that kind of big move and get a guy like Aaron Judge, or are you more inclined to go and say, hey, we're going to get Andrew Benatendi and Mitch Hanniger. Like, what what kind of plan do you like better? Well, <clears throat> you're talking to to a guy who cares about TV ratings, okay, not just wins and losses. <laughs> so true. I want Aaron Judge. I want Aaron Judge, of course. Wait, you know, listen. In 2004, 2008, 2007, 2000, you know, and for, for most of the history of this ownership group, the Red Sox have been in on every big free agent name. There was no name too big for the Red Sox to at least consider, right? Trying to engineer the A-Rod deal, right? Trying to, you know, you bring, you know signing Manny Ramirez even before this ownership group, right? Bringing in uh, uh, players and locking them up and signing them for long-term deals. There's no reason on earth. You know, and, and I, Dave O'Brien and I had had a conversation about this prior to one of the games uh, about a month ago before the trade deadline, when there were rumors that Shohei Otani might be on the market, Red Sox should be the first ones calling. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean they can make the deal. Uh, they, they, you know, Why aren't they in on Juan Soto? Why aren't they in on everybody? And maybe they are. Maybe they call and kick the tires and say, we're not ready to blow up the whole thing. We're not at the point yet where we can do that in our development of this organization that, that Hyam Bloom wants to put together to be a sustainable uh, contender. But, yeah, I want Aaron Judge. You want to make a statement this offseason? Sign Aaron Judge, give him what it takes, do give a little yeah to the Yankees, and, <laughs> and let's get back to business. Yes, I want Aaron Judge. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider over at Nesson. Watch the television broadcast tonight. First pitch is uh is 740. So TC, we appreciate it. Hopefully the Red Sox can uh can get a game tonight. And hopefully by the time we talk next week, uh, you know, they're not uh, more than 10 games back in the wild card. Well, I mean, again, there's a pulse, but it's flickering pretty bad. I, I will say now that you know the Sawamura and Davis moves to bring up a couple of young guys. Zach Kelly's been doing this at the triple A level all year. Uh, it's time to see what, what he can do. It's time, you know, it's probably time to move on from Ryan Brazier. Uh, we saw that last night. He was really good uh, for a World Series team a couple of years ago, but he doesn't have it. It's, you know, it's, it's now it's time to see who's part of the future, who's not. Uh, maybe you win a few games doing that. That's great. But right now the, the key thing is start to figure out what the hell you're going to do with this next year. And, uh, and that's why we're watching now. TC, next week we can play who's in more trouble, the Red Sox or the Patriots approaching week one. So I can't wait for that. <laughs> be, I hope we got extra time. Uh, you block out extra time for that. Thanks. TC, appreciate it. Thanks, Brady.